Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we recap week seven in the CFL. Wasn't as good as week six, but still solid. And then Braxton Kuntz, Manitoba Men's Amateur Golf Champion for the third year in a row on the podcast tonight. And we start with the CFL recap, as we always do. Seven weeks of CFL action in the books already. Season is flying by. We're almost through July, and after an incredible week six, what did the CFL have to offer up as an encore? Well, it definitely wasn't as great, but wasn't all bad, as we'll get to right now in the week seven CFL recap. We start with the Blue Bombers playing their last game before their first bye week of the season, hosting the winless Elk, so this one should be a walk in the park. Winnipeg immediately gets the ball into Edmonton territory thanks to a short kickoff, and on third and one at the Elks 40, they go for it. I mean, it's automatic with Dakota Prukop, except he got stuffed. All right, Elks go two and out. First play of the next drive, Zach Kolaris is picked. Not great. Elks take it down the field, and then Taylor Cornelius does what he does best, which is throw inaccurate passes. Inside the Winnipeg 10, throws behind Kevin Brown. It's tipped. It's picked by Cameron Lawson, which sparks the Winnipeg offense. Blasting down the field for a 99-yard touchdown drive, capped off by a Prukop plunge and a Sergio Castillo missed convert. Edmonton gets a field goal and then another, and we're, we're tied late in the first half. What is this nonsense? Okay, here's Castillo. 45 to end the first half. Nope. First missed field goal of the season. They're tied at half with the worst team in the league. That's not ideal, but the Bombers get things sorted out in the third. Edmonton 2 and out. Bombers field goal. Edmonton 3 and out. And then holy smokes, Nick Dembski. Kolaris, pressure for the middle. He's going to throw it. Wide open is Dembski at the 30. Nick Dembski, 70-yard touchdown. Nobody within a country mile of the slot back. That's a big score, 16-7, and they're off and running, and so is Dylan Mitchell down the sideline for an 80-yard score. Oh, boy. Two-point game, and the Bombers go two and out, but a good punt pins Edmonton deep, and then they take the penalty, and then Cordelius takes an intentional grounding penalty in the end zone. That's a safety. Now 21-14 in the fourth, and the Bombers put it away. Rasheed Bailey, the insurance score, 28-14 the final. A fifth win for the Bombers. The Elks remain winless and ultimately hopeless. The Argonauts return from their second bye week of the season. Already, I know, visiting the Tiger Cats, and Taylor Powell making his first CFL start, but he's no Chad Kelly is a sentence I didn't think I'd be making at the start of the season. Kelly with a 50-yard pass on the second play of the game leads to the backup QB one-yard plunge TD as Toronto takes the early lead to the second where Toronto's driving again. Kelly through the air makes completions of 13, 15, 18, 17, and 9 for the score. It's 14 zip and then Powell is picked and it's returned for a score. Yikes, but oh, that's called back because of an illegal block in the return, but the pick stood and two plays later, Kelly's like, I got you, Jamal Peters. Hits Tavares Daniels for the score. 20 to nothing and then 20 to 3 at the half and then 20 to 6 and 23 to 6 and 23 to 9 and this is pretty boring, but hold on, here comes Hamilton. Powell with a 13-yard touchdown run Oh, but Mark Leggio missed the convert. Come on, dude. It remains an eight-point game. It didn't really matter, though, because Toronto took the next drive down the field. The ice it away with the touchdown. 31-15 ends up being the final. Toronto's 5-0. They're pretty good. The BC and the Lions hosting the Riders, and life without Trevor Harris begins. The Mason Fine era is here, and I hope you like punts. First six drives of the game for the two teams. One first down. That's it. And now Vernon Adams is hurt. Got twisted down on a sack. His knee doesn't look great. He's done for the game. Dane Evans and Mason find a quarterback. This game is going to suck. Evans sacked in his own end zone. That's a safety. What a way to start the game. Oh, hold on. Roughing the passer. 
a big game changer because a few plays later, Evans hits Keon Hatcher for 53 yards and then a 27-yard score to Alexander Hall and 7-zip hit BC. And now back to the punts and a fumble on a punt return. Sask turns out into three and then Evans fumbles and the Riders do nothing with that. 7-3 at the half. There are eight punts and a field goal for the Riders, six punts, a touchdown, and two turnovers for the Lions. This is great stuff. And it continued in the third. Riders punt. Evans throws a pick. Leads to another field goal. Lions had three of their own. Late in the third, the Riders go for it on third and one from their own 42, and they don't get it. Leads to a big touchdown for the Lions, except it was called back for holding. And so they settle for a field goal, and it's 13-6. And then it's another field goal, and then the Riders get a field goal, and then the BC gets one. 19-9 is the final. This game was awful. 25 first downs and 19 punts. There were 43 first downs in the Hamilton-Toronto game. It was a bad game, and I spent too much talking about it. So let's hope that Sunday's clash in Calgary between the Stamps and Red Blacks would be an improvement. The bar is low. The first regular season home game for Calgary on a Sunday in seven years? Okay. Red Blacks, fresh off that insane win over the Bombers, open the scoring with a field goal before Jake Mayer lays a perfect pass to Clark Barnes for a 54-yard score. It's 6-3 Stamps. Do we really think the Red Blacks are actually good with Dustin Crump? Ah, maybe we're about to find out. Or maybe the question is, is Jake Mayer any good? Telegraphs the pass. Brandon Danbridge picks it off, takes it to the house. Ottawa head 10-6, and now Mayer's botching a handoff, and Ottawa recovers the fumble, and Crump with a big run to set up a touchdown. And it's 17-6 Ottawa. But before we think they're any good... Here comes Calgary. Mayer with a redemptive strike to Mark and Michelle. A great over-the-shoulder catch makes it a four-point game. Several field goals later, 20-19 Ottawa at the half. Not a great start to the third either for the visitors. Two and out. A nice punt return three plays later. Tommy Stevens has the one-yard backup quarterback touchdown plunge. Calgary's up five, but they go for two, and they miss. And then Calgary blocks a punt, and they have all the momentum, and they give it away when they can't convert a third and three. Ottawa takes that and runs with it. Leads to a 24-yard touchdown pass from Crum to Justin Hardy, and the Red Blacks are back in front, and they go for two, and they get it. 28-25 going to the fourth. Now a two-point game when Calgary takes over at their own 15. Just under nine minutes to go, and they wasted no time getting back in front. Mayer in a deep drop. Standing, waiting, firing a deep strike over the middle. For Michelle, he catches at the 40, at the 50, at midfield. Ottawa 40 in full stride. Ottawa 30 turns on the Jets. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown! 95 yards, Calgary up four, and again they go for two, and again they fail. Ottawa needs a touchdown to take the lead, and going for a third and two from their own 50, they do not get it. What's with all the failed third downs this week? But Mayer immediately throws a pick, and Ottawa has life again. They turn it into an 11-play drive, and a crumb pass to Nate Bahar for the touchdown, a jump ball. He snags it, and Ottawa takes the lead with 80 seconds left by three points. But... As we saw last week, that's more than enough time for Calgary to get in the field goal range. Rene Paradis from 47 yards nails it. We need OT, and Calgary goes first. Mayer gets it done to Odom's Dukes for the score, but for the third time in the game, the Stamps do not convert a two-point convert. Ottawa has the chance to win. Gains of 8-7-0, 14-3, and then anti milanovic Litre with a three-yard run. The Red Blacks just need a two-pointer to win. They went two for two down the stretch last week against Winnipeg. One for one in this game. You can make that two for two. Crumb to Bahar. Ottawa becomes the first team in league history to win in overtime in consecutive games. 43-41 the final. This was a much better game. Ending the week with a bang. Good job, CFL. That's seven weeks of action in the books. And it leaves us with, I think, a. I mean, we've we've known that there's a pretty clear difference between the top and the bottom of this league. And right now you've got Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto all at five wins with a combined three losses. So 15-3 and three for those three teams. The rest of the league, you've got Saskatchewan at three and three, Ottawa at three and three, Montreal at two and three, Hamilton at two and four, Calgary at two and four, and Edmonton at 0 and seven. So the rest of the league with a combined 12 wins. 
not great. Pretty obvious in terms of the differences in talent right now. And that leads us into this weekend where we've got Hamilton at Ottawa on Friday. Big time matchup in the battle for second in the East that someone will get. Someone's going to be second. Someone has to be second by the rule of math. Someone's going to get it. And it's obviously still early to picture who's going to be, but we have as well touchdown Atlantic on Saturday, which has a little bit less juice than perhaps we thought it was going to with not no Trevor Harris. Obviously Mason fine is fine at best at quarterback for the rough riders. Toronto's looking pretty good. They're big time favorites for that game right now. BC at Edmonton Saturday, Vernon Adams juniors knees, apparently structurally fine so that's good for them i don't know if he starts right away you don't need to play him against edmonton to beat edmonton that's in edmonton so they will lose of course and then calgary at montreal is on sunday uh some news of the day from the cfl bo levi mitchell was back at practice today for the hamilton tiger cats has not played since week two when he got hurt with an adductor injury he got replaced by matthew schultz who got hurt which led to powell making his first start this past week he was okay uh, mitchell Saying after practice, quote, I think the hope is to play, but to be completely blunt and honest, I'm just going to test it out each day and be honest with Steinauer and say, hey, man, if I feel good, I'm good. And then at that point, it's up to him to make that decision, close quote. When he was playing this season in the first game in three quarters, he was not very good. And then Schultz came in and was also, you know, fine. But they want him back. They expect him to be the guy. He is making, according to Three Down Nation, half a million dollars in hard money this year, which is the second highest paid quarterback in the league. That is a lot of money, and they want him to perform like that. And he has not really this year. He completed about 58% of his passes, has one touchdown and four picks so far. Now, he's missed four games. He's practicing. Doesn't mean he has to play this week he's on the six game injured list we saw a number of members of the blue bombers practicing after spending four weeks on the on the sixth game and they didn't play until the that sixth week had come and gone so that's salary cap stuff there we also have a ten and a half point favorites by the way that's what the argos are right now over the rough riders for touchdown atlantic the elks have released toby antigua and maurice french Antigua spent a little bit of time in Winnipeg. Hasn't really played much this year at all. French had a couple catches against the Bombers last week. Total of 15 catches for 190 yards and a touchdown over the last four games. I want to share with you now an interview I did earlier today because for the third consecutive season, Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend is the Golf Manitoba Men's Amateur Champion. Koontz birdied the final hole to cart a 369 at Oak Island Golf, earning a one-stroke victory over Ryan McMillan of Elmhurst. In the 112th playing of the tournament, Koontz finished the 54-hole event at 11 under par to become the third man to win the amateur championship three years in a row. Todd Fanning did it in 90, 91, and 92, and R.J. Reith in 1935, 36, and 37. This is elite company. For the second straight year, Koontz will receive an exemption into the Centreport Canada Rail Park Manitoba Open. That is August 24th through 27th at Southwood. And earlier today, I had the chance to catch up with Braxton to talk about his big win and how it feels 48 hours later. Oh, man, it was 
it was a heck of a ride, a heck of a golf tournament, uh, really close right down to the very last hole. So honestly, it's just a relief for me to, to be able to get it done. But uh, yeah, I'm really proud of, of what I've been able to accomplish. So you took a one-stroke lead into the final round Saturday. When you're sleeping on the lead of a golf tournament, what's going through your mind as you as you go to bed and as you wake up in the morning? Oh, man, I was just trying to honestly just give myself some rest and try and keep it out of my head, to be honest. Uh, I've, I've been lucky to be in that position a couple times before, so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. But at the same time, I knew it would be a, a, stressful, a stressful final round with so many guys, you know, only a a couple shots off the lead. So really just trying to relax, have some, have some fun with my buddies out there. I think we, we spent some time in the hot tub and <laughs> just, just try and relax. And, and as the round begins, just take me through what it's like to be out there. And, and as the holes go by and the, the leaderboard keeps shifting and whatnot, just take me through the journey of the day. Yeah. So I tried to, you know, keep my mindset on my own golf game, especially for the first nine holes. Um, I was a little shaky on the range, a bit of a bad first tee shot, but um, I kept it together for the first nine and I knew I was, I was still in the mix. So I finally checked the leaderboard with about nine holes left and I knew I was, I think I was tied for the lead with a few guys only one shot back. So I knew every stroke was going to count uh, coming down to the final nine holes, but at the same time, I didn't want to push too hard and make any dumb, uh, dumb mistakes. So just tried to keep playing my own game. Um, kept checking the leaderboard with the view holes left to just, you know, make sure I knew where I was at. But uh, when when the leaderboard's so close like that, uh, there's a lot of distractions going on. So just trying trying to focus on your own game is, is definitely the key. So when you go to 18, do you know that you're tied for the lead? I knew I was one up through 17, and then I heard a big cheer on the 18th green, so I knew Ryan had probably made dirty. So. I knew at that point that I'd probably have to make a birdie to win, but uh, yeah, yeah. How does that change your mindset going into that hole? Um, I guess I was gonna play it the same way regardless. Fortunately, it's it's a pretty wide hole, um, but still difficult, especially when you have when you are tied with the lead. Um, so I knew I just wanted to play it smart and not make any dumb mistakes. You know, if I had the opportunity for a birdie, then you know, try and try and make it, but not try and force anything. So um, I was lucky to hit a pretty good drive, a, a decent approach and, uh, you know, a, a pretty good chip shot as well to about seven feet. So I had a, it was pretty sharp downhill and, and pretty quick. So I didn't want to force anything, but um, yeah, I'm glad I had some good pace and, and curled it in the side. Do you like closing on a par five? Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> Now, par fives are great to close on. So, you know, a good good way to, to end the round on hopefully a positive note, at least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the fact that, you know, this is three in a row for you at this tournament, did, the, did winning the previous two help you go through this journey to win a third in terms of knowing how to finish off the win? Yeah, I, I would say it definitely did. You know, just um, sleeping on the lead I hadn't done before, or I guess, no, I had done once, but... Um, you know, the previous two amateurs that I'd won, they'd still been pretty close coming down to the wire. I know two years ago, back when it was at Nipua, uh, it was the same thing. We were tied on the last hole and I had to make a birdie to win. So, um, it wasn't something I've been unfamiliar with, which is, is nice to have those experiences to draw back on, but regardless, it's still a lot of pressure and pressure can get to you. So I just tried to do my best to stay calm and, uh, calm and collected. What was the course like at Oak Lake? Had you played there before? 
I hadn't actually. I'd say it's, you know, one of those hidden gems in our province. I was really impressed with what the the staff and greenskeepers were able to do out there. I'd say it's in some of the best shape of, of what I've seen in this province this year. So uh, fairways were nice and green. Greens were rolling really true, fast as well. So I was impressed. I mean, I'd say if anyone has the opportunity to, to get out there and play, definitely take advantage of it. So in a month now, you'll be getting into the Manitoba Open. You get an exemption because you won this tournament. How big a deal is that for you? Oh, it's, it's another great opportunity and, and something I'm really proud to be able to compete in again. Um, you know, it's it's probably what well, is the most competitive golf event in this province and being able to play against some other professional golfers and test my game is something that I'll definitely learn from. And when I try and turn pro in a couple of years, hopefully gives me a little bit more of a comfort zone um, just having that experience. But it's a great event. It's put together really well. And I'm really looking forward to playing at it in a few weeks. How did it go for you last year? I uh, I missed the cut on the number last year, so I was one shot off. But I know it was painful, but hey, now I'm just more hungry to get out there and uh, and try and finish higher on the leaderboard this year. So what do you do between now and then to get ready? Well, I got got club championships coming up in about a week at Breezy Bend, so that'll be a fun weekend. I'm hoping to defend my title there, but I got the Canadian Amateur coming up in the second week of August out in the at the Pulpit Club in Ontario, so. I'll be competing in that, and I think that'll be great prep for the the Manitoba Open. I mean, it's the strongest amateur event that Canada has, and I'm just looking to to test my game and see how I can do against some of the other better amateurs in Canada and around the world. So that's kind of what I got planned for the next few weeks. But uh, other than that, just starting to get prepared for, for school this fall. And before we get to that, I'm just curious, how much time in a day do you spend with a golf club in your hand? Oh, goodness. Could be seven, could be two. I try and golf every day, though. So at least six days a week for a few hours. I golf guess... is, you know, it's one of those sports you got to find a lot of time to, yeah. to practice. But, yeah. And obviously you're, you're good at it and you enjoy it and you're doing it in school. Uh, now, last time we chatted with you, you were going to school down in Louisiana, but you, you're transferring this year to Ball State. Uh, tell us why you decided to make that change. Yeah, so I just thought I kind of wanted a bit of a change with uh, a bit more of a bigger school, I'd say, bigger budget, and uh, just an environment where I thought it would really help me improve and, and reach the next level. So talking with uh, Coach Fleck over at Ball State, he's you know he's a coach that really cares about the team, you know gives them what they need to get better as players, and also has a really competitive schedule and, and great practice facility in the winter as well. I know Indiana's not quite as warm as Louisiana, but um, yeah, I think when I when I get there in around a month or so, I'll I'll uh, get to know the team a little more. I've met them already. They're all super nice guys, and they get along well. So that, that's a key, too, to having a, a successful golf team is just having a group of guys that can all all uh, get along with each other. Um, so I'm looking forward to being down there in the fall. I know it'll be busy again with taking a full course load and playing in, I think, 12 tournaments we have. But, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it while I can. i got two more years left, so it'll, it'll be fun. fact that it's closer to home, does that factor in at all? It does factor in a little bit, I'd say. Uh, I think I'm only, you know, a few states away from home now, so if I want to come back, it makes it a little easier. But, I mean, at the same time, we're, we're usually so busy down there with golf and school that I can only really get home for, for Christmas break and probably Thanksgiving if I'd want to. But it definitely does play a factor, and I think my parents are happy that I'm a little closer to home too. So are you going to miss the Cajun cuisine, though? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know what Indiana offers in terms of its specialty, but I don't think it's quite as unique and, and not as identifiable as the Cajun is with Louisiana. No, exactly. I mean, Indiana, I'd say, is a much more normal state than Louisiana. Um, where I was, especially in South Louisiana, they had a lot of Cajun people. Um, I knew quite a few Cajun guys, and I guess an interesting culture, man. It's it's something I was I was happy to be able to experience, and they're very very hospitable people down there. So I was I was happy to get to know a lot of people, and they showed me around quite a bit. I got to eat some of the some of the food they cook down there. It's great food, but I had no problem gaining weight. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's fair point. Uh, now, looking at the the British Open that just wrapped up yesterday, Brian Harmon wins it handily. He's a lefty. Uh, you're a lefty. Not as important. I'm a lefty. But do you feel a special kinship <laughs> when a lefty wins a major? Definitely. I mean, there's not too many of us out there. So I know there's a lot more lefties in Canada than in the U.S. or other parts of the world. But you know what? To see another lefty win, it's you know, it, it's good to see. Hey, we're, we're still out there. We can still golf. <laughs> I, I know from just golfing around, I, I obviously I see way more righties than lefties, but I see a lot of lefties compared to watching the tour where, it's like, okay, there's Brian Harmon, Mickelson, Bubba Watson, Mike Weir, and then it's like, that's that's mostly it, right? Why are there no lefties on tour? That's, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I'd say, for one, they really don't manufacture a whole lot of left-handed clubs. Um, I've had trouble getting golf clubs, you know, throughout my life just because there's so few left-handed ones. Like, I'll go to any golf store and I'll struggle to find a left-handed putter and stuff like that. So my, my parents were trying to get me to be a right-handed when I started golfing a long time ago, but I kept wanting to turn the club around, so I guess they had no choice. But, hey, I mean, I'm not sure exactly why there's not too many, but it works works good for me, so might as well stick with it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Braxton, appreciate your time today. Thanks for this. Congrats again on the big win, and uh, good luck as you head towards the Manitoba Open in a month. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Braxton Koontz of Breezy Bend, the champion for the third year in a row of Golf Manitoba's Men's Amateur Championship. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but